Hello again, and welcome to the second podcast where I talk to another photographer. This time it's Annie Gordon. Annie is based in Sydney and specialises in taking photographs of the ocean. So without more ado, I'm going to hand over to myself and Annie and uh, let her explain a lot more about what she does, her inspirations, and tell some of her story. Okay, well, I'm here with Annie Gordon, and Annie is in Sydney, so it's um, late at night for me. Early in the morning for Annie, yes. but it all works. And Annie specialises in, I'm going to call it surf photography, uh, because it's a lot of it is photographing waves, but also people surfing as well. And what I'm going to do is basically just hand over to Annie, and we'll start there. And perhaps, Annie, you can tell us um, a bit more coherently what you do <laughs> and a bit longer. And also what's got you interested in doing that style of photography and, and what inspires you. So I think that's a good place sure. to start. So let me hand over to you. Thanks, Graeme. Well, it's lovely to see you and thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. This is very exciting. I've never done anything like this before. Um, so at the moment with my photography, I'm um, a passionate ocean photographer. Uh, big waves are my passion. However, when there's not big waves around, one is left scratching their head. Um, that's what I really get a buzz out of. That's the adrenaline. Uh, that is really exciting when there are big waves and surfers on big waves. Mm. However, when there aren't big waves, I'm regularly at Bronte Beach in Sydney, the beautiful Bronte Beach, um, up at um, Silly O'Clock, as my friend calls it, <laughs> at dawn or even before the dawn because I find that's a really magical time. Yeah, It's amazing what goes on even at five o'clock in the morning or depending on the time of the year with daylight savings and everything, you can sometimes get a purple sky, a pink sky, an orange sky, and it can change every time you're there. It's just unbelievable. I never tire of the amazing colours that are in the sky way before sunrise. Um, and then it's, it's a very magical meditative time for me. I just find it really peaceful, depending on how many people are around. Um, are there a lot of people around at that time in the morning? I, I sort of imagine it would be pretty quiet, but some no, dedicated surfers perhaps. There's dedicated surfers and there's some amazing dedicated swimmers in Bronte Ocean Pool. Yeah. All ages. There's quite um, – there's a – yeah, there's people there in their 70s and 80s that swim there. 365 days of the year, midwinter they're in there, no wetsuits, forget wetsuits. Yeah, because you've got and, the, the um, icebreaker people or whatever, they, the guys at um, the Bondi, whatever they call it. Yeah, the icebergs. <laughs> so I yeah, know there's I some nutters a, out there from my perspective. Oh, totally. I made a joke to my friend and I said, oh, I, I'll go in there in winter, but I'll wear my wetsuit. And she looked horrified. She said, you don't wear your wetsuit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, stuff. There's blending in and there's, you know, <laughs> blending in. So, <laughs> yeah. So, back to my photography. Yeah. Um, I love the magic of dawn, as I've said. Uh, magic is a word that I kind of use a lot, but it really is true. Um, Bronte Beach means a lot to me on a personal level as well, because okay. 
less than 10 years ago, I was seriously ill. I had emergency surgery, all unexpected, out of the blue. It was life-threatening, and I found that recovering from my surgery, I went to Bronte Beach. I took a few steps gradually, went home, rested, and I walked, felt better, went out the next day, went for a bit of a longer walk. And indeed, the ocean has such profound healing qualities. It's so powerful. So Bronte Beach really got me on my feet again in the most amazing way, and a lot of people I've spoken to believe that. I mean, we've known for centuries how healing the ocean is. Yeah. It truly is healing. Yeah. Were you doing the photography at that point or did the photography come afterwards? Yes, I was doing the photography at that point. And so what's happened really in the last 10 years, I've taken my ocean photography a lot more seriously. So it's kind of all tied in with my healing. And, um, well, also I'll tell you another story that's all connected. As you know, Waverley Cemetery sits beautifully above Absolutely the ocean the there. Headland, yeah. The historic Waverley Cemetery that is so vast and an amazing place. Sadly, I've got too many family members in there, um, but I feel that they are watching over me mm-hmm. in quite a beautiful way. I feel that their soul is with me when I'm down the hill in the ocean, yeah. near the ocean with them. Yeah. So on quite a personal level. This is all tied in to my love of the ocean, basically. Yeah, and for anyone who doesn't know Sydney, that cemetery is amazing because it, I mean it's quite it's a big cemetery and it's, huge, it, it, it? it's kind of on a slope anyway, <laughs> and so a almost very... everywhere in that cemetery you've got a view of the ocean. Um, Absolutely, and it's a very steep slope right yeah. down. So if you can photograph from any area in the cemetery, you've got the vast ocean in front of you. It's just uh, unbelievable. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's sort of very much a sort of cycle of life almost with the, uh, you know, the energy and, and the ocean and we, we came from the ocean, you know, all Absolutely. that kind of thing. And, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Yes, it's quite beautiful. So in the last 10 years I've taken my ocean photography a lot more seriously okay. and it means a lot more to me on a spiritual, a deep spiritual level as well. So what inspires you with your with the photography when you go out in the morning? uh, It sounds like kind of what's going on is part of the inspiration for you and the conditions and light and and other things. But what what inspires you? Well, well, I religiously look at the surf app daily or more than daily, as do my surfer friends and my ocean photographer friends. We're constantly on our apps checking weather conditions. Mm -hmm. And if there is a big swell, then we're out there. You know, word gets around and there's a big swell. And that's what drives me, big, powerful waves. And then if there's a surfer on it, that even puts it more into perspective because you can take lots of different angles of big waves and sometimes they don't really look big at all. Yeah, yeah. Depending, you know, I find that quite an interesting subject on getting the perspective and how why sometimes you can photograph a really gigantic wave and then when you look at it on your laptop you think it doesn't really look big. But a lot of the time, hopefully, I like 
you can see it's a very big wave. And then the added bonus of a surfer in it really puts it into perspective about, God, that's a big wave. <laughs> yeah, and, and the power that's in there and, um, you know, and the how fragile and, things are. And, yes, and the anticipation, if there is a big swell, then your adrenaline kicks in and people get really excited and the energy is fantastic. I love that raw energy. Yeah. Um, so yeah. basically I'm a big wave tragic just to uh, – <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that term before, but yeah. <laughs> it's a new one. <laughs> and we haven't had a lot of big, big swells like we used to. Okay. And we're all complaining, not that I want to complain about Mother Nature, but I don't know if this is part of the big picture with um, – Is it La Nina and El Nino and, and all of those things? Yeah, it's if it's you know it's either really treacherous and big and huge, or that we haven't had a lot of waves here recently. Um, yeah. Then we're all scratching our heads, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are there yeah, particular so, times of year when it tends to, where you tend to get more waves, and another time yeah, when you would expect? So winter is definitely winter, winter in Australia, being you know May, June, July, the mm. big winter swells come in and. Yeah. They're really big and treacherous. But going back to beach conditions, Bronte Beach and a lot of the other beaches are regularly closed for swimmers because of dangerous currents. There's nearly every day there's a sign-up saying dangerous currents and it's very deceiving Mm. as far as going in the water, swimming or taking photos. Not that I'm taking photos in the water, but if I'm standing close to the shore, You've got to be really careful yeah. um, because I've been caught out a few times being very cautious, standing a long way back in a very treacherous, big, big, dangerous swell where no one is allowed to swim. Mm-hmm. The beach is closed. Most surfers are not surfing. And I've been hit by rogue waves being incredibly high up, further away from the beach Suddenly a rogue wave comes up and dumps me, which is unbelievable how far these rogue waves can reach. So my advice also to photographers who are starting out is really know your ocean conditions, don't take risks, Mm. expect the unexpected, Um, and you think you're safe even standing a long way back. We're talking about really big, dangerous swells. Yeah. It can just come up and hit you like it did for me. I mean, I wasn't injured or anything. I was just annoyed that my camera got damaged. Yeah. I was drenched. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't have fallen anywhere or anything, but it just threw up so high up in the air. We were all just shocked. There was a group of us standing there, and we just couldn't believe how high up this wave went. So, yeah. yeah. This is all part of the fun and the excitement of being an ocean photographer. Expect yeah. the unexpected. So there's the awareness <laughs> of what's going on around you from the point of view of taking photographs, but also of not getting Absolutely. dumped <laughs> too often not and ruining the gear. And also, as you know, Bronte Beach, you can shoot from so many different angles. There's not yeah. just one spot, unlike some other beaches. So you can go north end, south end, on the beach or you can go up on the cliffs, shoot down from both sides. So you've got a fantastic choice, which yeah. is what I love. Yeah. 
And also, I think that's how I've learned a lot more about the ocean by all of those years of looking at the ocean from different angles. Mm. D- d- uh, one picture I have of you, and I don't know <laughs> how you go out and do it, I kind of always pictured you in a wetsuit going out there with your camera um, taking photographs. Oh, so yes. I don't know how accurate that is. Do you normally wear yeah, a wetsuit well, when you I go had out? A- yeah, I did wear a wetsuit and, yeah, a little bit a while ago, but I haven't worn it for a while. But uh, having said that, my future goal, I know we're jumping all over the place here, That's is to get a camera, waterproof camera housing and go in the water, but yeah. being mindful of the currents and stuff. So Bronte Beach may not be the best beach to start out on, maybe in a sheltered swimming pool. Yeah. Or Bronte Baths, Bronte Pool, where you can hold on to the edge and just shoot across when it's not too rough, you know, just to practice. Yeah, and the camera that you're using, I know we're not going to get into technical stuff, but I just, just for anybody listening, what camera are you currently using? So it's not a waterproof camera, it's a. It's a Sony RX10 Mark V, and the lens is very powerful. It's a 24 to 600 fixed lens. So it can shoot with a lot of clarity quite a long distance. Yeah, and you've got that wide-angle um, option as well. So if you want to do something, yeah. which gives you a huge amount, a huge number of creative options when you're standing there and you're looking at what's going on, that's that's absolutely amazing. Yes, it's it's really good. Um, and the Sony, I think Sony cameras are really understated. If you ask me, okay. the clarity is brilliant on this camera. It picks up all sorts of things, as you've probably seen in my Instagram photos yeah and I'll, I'll quickly say that because your instagram it is annie gordon isn't it it's waves waves, waves by annie okay i've got it up but it's just got your name up and what i'll do yeah. in the description um i'll write it down i'll put a link in so anybody listening thank you if you if you jump on to the link or the description of the episode i'll put the link in there Yes, it's all lowercase waves by annie no dots or hyphens or anything that does sound familiar actually but I'm terrible at remembering these things. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's okay. Great. Yeah, no worries. No, that's good. Okay, well, we've got that. So, yeah, if you want to see Annie's work, um, and then there's some amazing photographs in there, just just look up um, Waves by Annie, all lowercase, no gaps or funny business, and uh, and I'll put the link there. So, Thank you. What, I, I know we kind of steered around a bit. What, what would you – is there anything you want to particularly get into? I mean, obviously, we've spoken about what you're doing – where would you like to go next? What we, you know, in terms of how do you get started, or, or what would you say to somebody who was interested in this kind of work? Sure. I'll let, I'll let um, you. Sure. Guide it. Well, uh, my advice to photographers that are passionate about photographing waves and the ocean, I've got a few points here. Yeah. You need a lot of patience. You need a lot of perseverance. Um, a lot of knowledge which comes after a while you learn a lot when you're on the job and every day the ocean is different but i'm i'm still learning about the ocean it's an endless learning beautiful learning tool um be very mindful of tides and waves don't turn your back on the ocean mm. don't take yeah. risks yeah a lot of people take risks um and on that subject i'll just say i've seen photographers down at Bronte Beach early in the morning who are out of town, you can tell, Mm. 
and they go and stand on rocks that stick out when there's a big swell and you think, what the hell are these people doing? They're yeah. asking for trouble. And they yeah. think, oh, I'm going to go onto that rock because I'll get a much better photo. And the next minute they're in the ocean or they get dumped and their gear is, you know, it's really tempting to do this, but you've got to be so cautious. And I've had to be extra cautious over the years because I know I can mm-hmm. say expect the unexpected when you're doing wave photography and that's what I kind of love about it. It's yeah. unknown so if it, sometimes. If you are going to an unknown a beach you don't know, do, do you kind of just stand and watch what's going on with, you know, what happens with the waves and, and certain positions yes. that look like they'd be pretty good, but what happens when a big wave comes in? Um, do, do you just kind of observe for a little while before you start going out and taking yes. photographs? it depends on the time of the day and what the weather mm. is like, but I'll assess the situation and then I'll look at it, you know, I'll look at a new place. Where is the best spot to shoot? So if, for example, I'm going to be shooting some really big waves, which is at Cape Salander, one of Mm. my favourite spots, which is an hour out of Sydney, which is in the Botany Bay National Park, that's renowned for its monster deadly slabs, as they call it. Yeah. And only the gutsy surfers will go there because – there's a shallow reef at this particular point in the National Park, okay. a very dangerous, sharp, shallow reef. But when the conditions are right, which isn't often, unfortunately, when the winds the winds are in the right direction and everything lines up, a very deadly set of big, 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 big waves come and they all explode onto the low-lying cliff, which is where we're standing, a ledge. It's not a big ledge. Yeah. And it is so dangerous there that um, you've got to be really careful. And there's a lot of surfers that I know from Bronte and Bondi that wouldn't be caught dead there. That's how. Oh, really? That's how deadly it is. So they need to be towed out by a um, jet ski. So there's a whole kind of art to it. Yeah. Well, a whole science to it. So there's a team of jet skiers and they hold on with a rope and they get pulled out behind the wave. And then when the time is right, the operator on the jet ski has got a very responsible job as well. They're assessing where the waves are breaking and when the best time is for the surfer who is holding on like a um, water skier. Yeah. With their rope. And then they get they let go and they get catapulted onto this massive wave, which then explodes onto this ledge. So every wave or slab ends up exploding with the most ginormous, ginormous, deadly explosion. Yeah. Wow. Because of the situation of where the rocks are. It's got nowhere to go and there's a lot of power. And it's a very, very, very heavy treacherous wave if that explains it well <laughs> yeah yeah no i can i can picture it it sounds um well, i can understand why <laughs> some people wouldn't would it wouldn't even go there um oh but i, I, may, I but having gone there I, you know the opportunity for uh, amazing photographs is that's got to be the draw it's unbelievable and we all go a little bit gaga when we know that there's a big swell because word gets around sometimes that it's happening because the conditions can suddenly change at the last minute and the winds can pick up and then you've got the conditions 
Whereas yeah. if the wind drops, then it's nothing there, you see. So it's very moody. She's a moody spot is, and a mystery spot is Cape Salander, or yeah. as the, uh, the surfers called it, ours, or it's also known as Cape Fear for very good reason. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So one thought that occurred to me while you were speaking, do, do you have a, a particular photograph that when you look at it, it, it sort of has a, a special meaning to you, sort of a bit above some of the others that you've taken? Yes. Um, the big green wave behind me, I know the the listeners can't see it, but yeah. um, I think you published one of them in a ma- in your magazine a while ago. That's it's, right. Yeah, um, yeah. This particular set of slabs, they call it. Yeah. They were about fifteen twenty foot waves, which is what's that in meters? Uh, uh, fifteen twenty foot. That's what um, five five meters, five to six, it was, seven meters, um, something like that. Yeah, I'm not good with meters. I should be. I'm, I, I should be better because I grew up with. Well, I'm I'm trying to convert, <laughs> but it was three meter, I'm three feet to well. a meter, very very crudely. Um, I'm sure somebody listening is just absolutely horrified now, but never mind. <laughs> that, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so there was a set. This was a couple of years ago, and I. Um, it was unbelievable. These waves were wild treacherous, um, beautiful, and that all depended on which angle you shot them because if you're standing face on, you kind of just get this big X. You see the wave coming in and then a big explosion, but if you kind of stand back on the side and you've got a big enough lens, it's kind of very bizarre because, you know, you can be shooting with your camera and you realise if you're not used to shooting monster waves yeah you're not going to have enough room in your uh, viewfinder it's kind of a bizarre feeling yeah yeah you don't shoot big waves a lot but that's yeah. all part of the excitement <laughs> yeah that's the challenge it's, it's kind of getting that feel when it's something very large it's getting that feeling of size and it's very very difficult to do i find i found it in africa with some of the planes and you just stand there and you're looking and it's just huge and I've I've stood there thinking, well, I have no idea how I'm going to try and capture this feeling that I've got right now looking at this because every time I hold the camera up, I'm looking at a tiny part of it. And uh, it's just, yeah, very, very hard to get that feeling of size and power across. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, we're still, yeah, so I guess it's a bit of an addiction, big waves. I'm sure most surfers who ride big waves would say the same. Yeah, yeah. I admire big wave surfers, and I'd like to say also there's a whole new, there's a whole lot of women big wave surfers who yeah. are surfing yeah. at Portugal, Nazare, Pipeline, Jaws, um, all sorts of places. Even Ireland, they've got mm. big winter, big big swells. Um, it's an exciting time in in surfing as well with more women getting yeah. involved but we've got a long way to go i think as far as being equal uh, yeah. i used to surf by the way okay um okay so many moons ago yeah. <laughs> something possessed me uh to go out and get a secondhand mccoy surfboard and i thought i'd go to bondi beach and do some surfing and um I wasn't well received. 
Really? By the guys. Really? This is back in the 70s. Yeah. Quite a long time ago. Bondi Beach was a really bit of a rough, wild place. Yeah. There was a cross-section of people. They were hippie surfers, nice surfers, rough surfers, all sorts of people. Yeah. But uh, I distinctly remember someone pushing my board out to sea and calling me Gidget and thinking that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. However, my passion was there back then and um, it's sort of moved a little bit. I thought it was a bit safer to read my tracks magazine at home. It was a safer option. <laughs> yeah, and we were talking tracks about magazine this. magazine being a surfing magazine. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about this before the recording and, and essentially um, – um, I mean, we both have the same view that it's it's great that women women's sport is is certainly more widely seen. There are more people participating now. It's acceptable, I suppose. But as you say, there's still a long way to go. But at least it is moving in the right direction. And and it is know. moving in the right direction. However, we have a long way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know what goes on in the ocean. I see it. I have friends all over different beaches mm. who are female surfers as well as male surfers that I speak to about all sorts of stuff that still goes on in the ocean. It has improved a lot for sure. Okay. And maybe some areas mm. are different. But, you know, discrimination still happens and um, it really upsets me. Yeah, tell you the yeah. No, I in can, 2023, I... you know, it's like, what the hell? Why is this still happening? Uh, yeah, it, exactly. We're in the third decade of the 21st century and we've still got this th- these ridiculous prejudices going on. And unfortunately, um, and, you know, obviously it's not just sport. And, and uh, again, I'm not going to get into a big one about how women are treated, no. but I, I find it's appalling in many countries and some that you wouldn't normally expect. But um, I think... As individuals, it's easy to get angry about it. I think the the thing to do is do what we can as individuals personally sure. to make a difference. And it might feel like a very small or insignificant thing, whether it's just cheering somebody on or I don't know, you know, it depends on the situation, but just encourage people yes. to provide support. But if each of us takes a small step, then as a community, we end up taking a huge step. And I, I think um, being here in Europe now, Having seen what's happened with ladies' soccer and ladies' rugby, it's big thing on TV. People are really getting behind it. And maybe those sort of events help with other sports and activities too. And, and life of women gets Absolutely. much more equal. Yes. And I find it ridiculous that, you know, your gender has such a big impact on what you can do. But um, as I sadly, said, that, it still does. Um, yeah. Uh, it does. But we're moving forward and um, people are becoming more educated and their attitudes are changing, hopefully. Um, And there are a lot more women surfers out there. But anyway, we can kind of move on to... um, Yeah, it's it's always difficult to cover subjects like (laughs) that, but I'm sure many people listening feel just as passionate and angry about it as well. Um, So, Um, And it's like my my, my motto is go girl. Um, Yeah. All those girls, you get out there and do your stuff wherever you are and I commend you and, you know, I mean, we shouldn't be having this conversation. It should be women should just be equal to men 
without having to say go girl, you know what I mean? Absolutely. You don't say go go boy. <laughs> no. And I think as well, just, just from a male perspective, sometimes if you're not particularly exposed to the discrimination, you just don't even realise it's there or at least to the extent that it's there. And so I think yes. having these conversations are very healthy from that perspective yes. as well. Yeah, I just say to any women, uh, photographers and surfers, you got to just do your own thing and go out there and stuff everybody. Absolutely. To put it very blatantly. <laughs> no, it's a very Australian expression. <laughs> yes. I don't normally say that, but I thought I would. No, it's appropriate. It's okay. <laughs> so um, did you want to talk about how you got started with photography? I'm just curious because you said you, you know, before your illness and, and all of that, and then you're kind of reconnecting with nature and recovering and particularly with the ocean, but you're doing photography before that, but the, the ocean photography wasn't such a big thing. What what other sort of photography um, were, you, were you doing? Well, the ocean has always been there, and I've taken photos way, way before ten years ago of the ocean. But um, oh, I used to do family portraits, architecture photography. I mean, architectural photography is fantastic in a way because the building doesn't move. No, it's great. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's much more relaxing. <laughs> The wind doesn't just kind of blow it along like the waves. It's that's great, but um, that wasn't my passion. But I enjoyed it, and I was using then analog my you know the good old analog film photography yeah. with my lovely Nikon lenses, yeah, my fisheye lenses. So I used to do um, yeah family portraits, travel photography architectural, all sorts of stuff like that. That was yeah. back in the 90s and then I got invited to participate in a lot of group photo exhibitions. So I've participated okay. in quite a few exhibitions over the years, my last one being, um, when was it, 2016, the Prince of Wales Hospital, which is where I my life was saved. Right. They invited me to... Uh, exhibit my photographs in the children's oncology ward, which I was very happy to be doing that and very grateful to give something back. And it was like I, um, we hung my gentle waves and my big waves so that the patients can possibly walk if they were able to see mm. some of my photos and maybe help with their recovery in a little way who knows but that was my last exhibition okay yeah it's I'm, I'm a big one for reconnecting with nature um particularly with the lockdowns that we've had over in the last few years with covid oh, i yes. think having the opportunity to reconnect with nature even if it's through a photograph rather than being there makes such a big difference um when you can't you know physically get out so that that's well, one that's... of my passions with my photography is to get yes that's brilliant yeah my tag was to get nature into people's home without ruining the carpet um you could do that with your <laughs> ocean photography without flooding the floor <laughs> yeah. well that's yeah having speaking about uh lockdown i was fortunate enough to live in the we had a five kilometer radius rule yeah um i'll keep my comments to myself Anyway, fortunately, yep. <laughs> I lived within the five kilometres and that was a lifesaver basically yeah. that I could go out 
make sure I was socially distancing. Yeah. And continue shooting. And, I mean, that was brilliant. I am very grateful that I could continue being with nature during the lockdowns. Yeah. Very, very grateful. Absolutely. Now, I mean, we've spoken about a few things, which has been great, and I feel I've got to know you a lot better than I knew you before we started this. But is there anything else you wanted to talk about or you'd like to share with people, just either about Um, your work or any, you know, anything? The floor is yours. Sure. Um, if for some ad- extra advice for photographers, because on Instagram mm. I get a lot of people asking me questions about all sorts of things, which I really appreciate. Um, I think you need a bit of fair bit of discipline if you want to take it seriously, mm. and if you do want to get up at the crack of dawn, you need to push yourself and. It takes quite a while. I mean, yeah, you can go and take a nice photo, sure, once in a while or regularly. Mm. But to really understand the ocean, you need to spend a lot of time there. Yeah. So you do, as I said before, you need a lot of perseverance, a lot of patience. Yeah. And mindful of where you're standing on the beach because I know some people like to hog the view and, um, you need to be mindful of your spatial awareness and where you're standing and that you're not blocking other people's views and all sorts of stuff like that. Mm. I find fun. that with wildlife as well because and, and I think some people have a like a scarcity mentality, like they have to get in in front of everybody else to get this photograph. But there's absolutely no reason why people can't just work together, <laughs> you know, and so everyone gets a shot and it does irritate absolutely. me when I see that. I know. A very selfish attitude with wildlife. Yeah. I've got a tip, actually, if you struggle getting out of bed in the morning, my tip is to set your alarm, but put it somewhere where you have to get out of bed to turn it off. Yes. Um, now, That's some people go back to bed, but at least I know. half they of the people will their stay pillow. up. I know. They put it <laughs> on can't their hit pillow. snooze. <laughs> or they're half asleep and they don't even know what they're doing and they switch it off and then they say, oh, I, I missed the dawn light and the sunrise. But, yeah, you got to be a bit disciplined if you're not used to getting up at that time. But, really, it's a magical time, and I know I use the word magic a lot, but it really is. And Yeah, um, yeah, think, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I have a good eye for detail, I think. Um, yeah, well, look, yeah, judging by your photos, definitely. I do. Uh, yeah. Knowing when the wave is going to break and if there is a surfer, when it's all going to be happening. So I think that comes with a bit of time. Yeah, that's a really important point, actually. Yeah, it's kind of like you connect with the rhythm of it and what's going on, and you know exactly when you need to take that shot because you can anticipate to a large degree what's going to happen, and you know what the the, the shot's kind of in your mind, and you just need to get it onto the SD card, (laughs) whatever's in the camera. Yes, and ensure that you're on multiple bursts. You've got to do that. Yeah. Um, Lots of multiple bursts. So. I find also that if I'm going to the beach and I'm checking out which angle to shoot from, sometimes it takes me a little bit of time to get into the flow, literally the flow and the movement. Mm. And it's quite a magical feeling because you know when you've connected. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're out there even though you're not out there, like you're in the wave and you can feel it. And you kind of then intuitively 
you know when is the right time to start shooting at that angle. Mm. It's quite a beautiful feeling, actually. Um, yeah, it really is a connection with nature and it's whatever, however else you want to describe that. It is indeed. It, sounds amazing. Um, it is indeed. And one of my lovely followers on Instagram said, some of my images are magically suspenseful. Suspenseful. And I thought, that's really cool. That's a very nice thing to say. I was quite flattered. It's kind of true in a way. It is true because I Uh, I, I capture the wave at such a time where you think, oh, my goodness, how did I get that? And you don't always realise until when you get home and you see 30 images of the same wave and then you realise when you get home and look at it on the laptop, you look, you see a lot more because you're so busy focusing on shooting a lot. Like I can shoot if it's like a really good day, mm. obviously when the sun's out um, and say it's a sunny day and a really big swell, I can shoot over 2,000 images in a session. Wow. Yeah. On um, my – What's it called on the um, on the Sony? No, I mean on the multiple burst is what. Oh, I on the burst, saying. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, which yeah. adds up very quickly. So be prepared Absolutely. to have a good, big camera card, and you know, only when you get home, you can only you sometimes discover stuff that you didn't see when you're sh- concentrating on mm. shooting. Do you look at photographs again, like several months? down the track and then see things that you didn't see before do you find you do find that that's really exciting because sometimes you come home on a bit of an adrenaline high if the conditions are massive um and you look at the images and you think oh gee that's amazing that's amazing that's a shit photo oh that's really good you know you got a a lot of them are rubbish and then I edit them and then you save them and then uh, you go back and look at the images a few weeks later or a few months later and you think, oh, wow, that looks a lot better than I thought it did back then, yeah. you know, and then you choose that one and then you edit it and all that sort of stuff. Gentle yeah, I, editing. Yeah, I have those. Gentle editing, yes. <laughs> yeah, I have those moments where I think, how did I miss that when I was looking at them before? But I think you're coming at them with no expectations. Whereas I think when you look at photographs after you've taken them, you kind of had a particular shot in mind and it either meets that, you know, is what you were thinking of or it's something different. But if it's different, because it's not what you were looking for, you kind of filter it out. Whereas when you don't have those goggles on, if you like, um, when you're just looking at it as a photograph, then you see it for what it is. So I think there's a you know, big tip is not to delete things, <laughs> just store everything and then revisit them yes, later. Yes, that's very good advice. It's true. Um, and have a big uh, hard drive and save them and don't yeah. be too quick to trash them because I know yeah. some people are a bit brutal and they come home and they trash a lot. And I say, oh, isn't it a bit soon to trash them? And they say, no, no, no. But maybe they they do know. But yeah. I like to keep them for a bit and then I trash them after, I'm sure. But, yeah. yeah. Is there so, any um, other sort of final tips for um, 
either anybody wants to get into this kind of photography or just tips in general? Um, enjoy yourself and um, be really mindful about the safety. I know I've said mm. it a few times, but if you like to photograph big waves and you're going somewhere, just don't take risks because a lot of people end up drowning or falling off cliffs. It's quite yeah. staggering. Um, yeah. I've heard about people who have fallen off the cliff taking that one more step closer for that amazing image. It's not worth it. Mm. Uh, no, you can be tempted to go a step closer, as I have been, and I'm thinking, thank goodness my mum can't see me now. And then yeah. I step back and I think I'm not doing that again. Yeah, yeah, I think that, Don't take that the awareness risk. is it's really tempting. important. Yeah. Especially in the moment if you're excited and say the conditions are powerful and big and you want to do all sorts of things. Yeah. Don't do it. No, it's surprising how quickly you can uh, suddenly find yourself in a lot of trouble that you hadn't anticipated. And then you've, <laughs> then the photography is the last thing you worried about. You know, you, you, yes. you want to come away from every session in one piece. So that's yeah, very good. And not advice. with a wet camera as well that's no. ruined or salt. Yeah, salt in a camera is not a good look. Absolutely not. No, it's not fashionable by any means. <laughs> no, it, it isn't. But um, my future, what I'd like to say is I'm, I'd like to travel overseas as far as new goals are concerned and to chase mm. some bigger waves. But with COVID and stuff, it, it's kind of um, changed things a bit regarding yeah. travel. Yeah. But I would love to go and um, photograph some big waves somewhere or speak with some surfers about some photographing some big waves. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to go to Portugal, to Nazare, you know, where the big winter swell comes in. Um, yeah, yeah. I know a couple of photographers that go there specifically yeah. to shoot from overseas. It's just wild there. and. Tim Benyth and, you know, the Australian cinematographer, he's fantastic. Okay, he, that, he, he goes there. Yeah. yeah, he makes brilliant films from around the world, big wave surfing images. He's yeah. brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, so he inspires me as well. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not anything like him and he's a cinematographer, but um, I'm open to sort of collaborating with other photographers and possible surfers or women surfers for the mm. future so the options are quite open yeah well if anyone's listening is interested in that um probably the best thing is to i guess initially well there's two options either connect with annie on annie's instagram account and then send a message or you can always drop me an email at graham at ge.photography so that's my um email address and i'll um let annie know you're interested in Get, see if we can sure. connect something that's, up that's because fantastic. it would be nice to um I always like to I like collaborating with people because I think it expands yes. both parties you kind of I think just even bound just chatting to somebody in the doing the similar thing you some it's you know really, ideas pop out of that that neither of you would have thought absolutely. about on your own so it's a very uh, that is true and uh, sometimes being on your own Taking photos can be quite isolating, and yeah. um, I've got some really good friends who we go shooting together, and you know we have a blast. It's kind of entertaining as well, and yeah, um, 
we throw ideas off each other, we help each other. It's 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 inspiration, you know. So it's good to get out there and meet people like minded. Yeah, and I'll tell you that this is how we met. This was um, there's a group in Sydney yes. called We're Observers, and um, right. Annie and I met, and I joined that group as a initially just participating because of just to That's connect right. with other photographers and then ended up doing some of the mentoring as well but that was how Annie and I met and um yeah it makes a big difference when you can connect with other photographers and just go and shoot stuff and try new ideas and it doesn't it, and it almost doesn't matter what the subject is because I think for me I always get ideas that I can apply back to my main interest which for me is wild animals and that's I don't right. know if you find that yes uh, that's that's for sure it's it's important to communicate with like-minded people and to, yeah. to get inspired as I said for sure yeah. and yeah so I guess that's my story um, no that's fantastic Annie else? thank you so much you like yeah thanks no that's great I'm just thinking we should probably have another podcast at some point because we could easily talk for I, I just sort of feel we because you know other questions pop up and we could easily talk for quite a while um, yes and we don't want to bore the listeners too much with me talking and, no, I mean, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sure they won't be all right well look, thanks again Annie and uh, thank I'm you so wind much Graeme for, oh, you're very thank welcome. You for inviting me Graeme it's lovely I've never had a podcast before so this is the first for me for 2023 and thanks right. Graeme my pleasure okay thanks Annie. Thank bye for now thank you bye i hope you enjoyed that if you did please like share um, do the uh, appropriate things with the podcast as i mentioned i have put annie's link uh, the link to annie's instagram and her website in the description so if you're able to access that you'll be able to um, have a first-hand look at uh, annie's work so thanks again for your time and i'll speak to you again in the next podcast bye for now just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, You'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcasts and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 